Welcome to Coffee, Chew, and a Chat. I'm your host, Sahir Gill. I'm a current professional hockey player and aspiring entrepreneur. Every episode features a conversation with a guest centering around their career, their passion, and the journey to discovering how to connect the two. If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. If you're looking to discover your true calling, listen weekly to guests that were in your shoes and learn their story. Now, to the interview. Welcome back to Coffee, Chew, and a Chat. This is episode two. Today, I am joined with a former Avon Old Farm wing, I believe, a BU Terrier, a Atlanta Gladiator. Uh, he's a current senior account executive at Gartner. Um, he is also, again, one of my closest friends, Patrick McGregor. Patty, thanks for coming on to Coffee, Chew, and a Chat. I really appreciate you being here. What's up, Gilsey? How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. I'm uh, excited to catch up with you here and talk a little bit about uh, your journey through hockey and how hockey has impacted you as far as where you're at right now with your career, because you've obviously been able to turn that around to be uh, quite successful at a young young age, I would say. So um, as someone that's had a bit of a front row seat to you, I want to get in right away to Avon Old Farms, which I know is a prestigious um, high school prep program located in Connecticut and, and how that helped shape you a little bit, because I know, you know, it's very professional there. Uh, they groom a lot of people that go to Ivy league schools and the top schools across uh, the, the U S and, and just how that experience um, has shaped you as far as, you know, where you're at today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if I look back at my experience at Avon, it, it really shaped me as a person to who I am today. And it completely changed my life. Like if I even take a step back even further, you know, starting my high school career at Hamden high school, small public school in Hamden, Connecticut, you know, I knew that I had to get somewhere else and get to the next level. to ultimately, you know, capture a dream of playing college hockey at any level. I mean, the, the days of going to play division one hockey at a Hamden high school were were gone. I mean, back in the seventies and eighties, guys like Todd Hall, you know, Brian Leach, like that, that was gone. So I, I knew that I had to end up at a premier prep school or even a junior program to help matriculate my, my hockey career to the next level. And even more so like focus on the academic piece because, you know, I wasn't the strongest student in school. Like I was a CB student. I, you know, I was someone who tried hard, um, but school did not come easy to me. And, you know, being at a place like Avon where you walk into a chemistry class and there's eight people in the class and the teachers live in your dorms who are open for extra help at the drop of a drop of a, a pin, like that changed my life academically, like having study hall, having mandatory time each week, Monday to Friday, where I had to sit in my dorm room and do homework, like that changed me academically as a person. And then I'm sure we'll get into it, but like getting into the college level, like I, I walked into college and that wasn't new to me. Uh, whereas at Hammond High, you know, I struggled because what you find a lot in public school is that they, they teach towards the, the top five kids in the class who are the smartest kids and they won't slow down for the kids who might need a little extra help or maybe go over something in the book again that we didn't fully understand. It's one speed. Whereas prep school, they kind of catered, I guess, towards me, 
And, you know, that changed me as an academic person, you know, even going to college and even in my career right now, but having support like John Gardner at Avon, like I'll give that guy so much credit for where I am today, just shaping me as a person really truly caring about me on and off the ice. Yeah. He was a hockey coach, but he was also a second dad. Like I lived at Avon farm, so I didn't have access to my parents like I used to. And if I needed help or advice, like I would go sit in Gardner's office and, you know, ask him questions. And when I go back to campus today, you know, he coached guys like Brian Leach, Cam Atkinson, John Quick, and every single guy I talked to, he was that guy for them too. And I give that guy a ton of credit, John Gardner. And he was a great coach, mentor, role model for me. Um, so all in all, like Avon completely changed my life and really put me on a path where I can excel with hockey and then away from hockey too. Right. And you say that, I mean, a lot of people, the shift that you had going from, from public high school to, to Avon, but I think that also requires a lot of people can be put into situations where there is the opportunities to succeed and they have the tools around them, but are reluctant to, to use them. You know, what was, as far as when you went from Hamden to, to Avon, was that you, you knew that everything was kind of on the line that it was like, Hey, uh, going to this place, I'm going to take it full advantage that you were underachieving perhaps uh, a little bit at Hamden, but you, you always had that drive to achieve, you know, is that something that you developed uh, from a young age? Is that, uh, were you around some, some influences as far as like, okay, because uh, as I would imagine being around uh, some of your teammates, some of your friends in, in Hampton High School it would have been a lot easier probably to, to stay there and be, you know, the you know king of the school and, and you know, captain of the team and all those kind of things. And um, you decided to go a little bit of a different, quite a bit of a different route than, than all the, you know, your friends that you grew up with. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was a goal in my life wasn't to win a state championship in Hamden, right? or, you know, to maybe graduate from Hamden, because I knew that my ultimate goal might have been a couple of steps further than maybe other people or even some of my peers, where if you look at someone like my brother, you know, he won two state championships at Hamden High School. He had a great experience and he went to college, didn't play hockey. He played club hockey at Southern Connecticut State University and had a great college experience and then got right into the business world. But I knew for me, my ultimate goal was to play hockey at a higher level and I, I feel like one of the most important things into being able to do that, and I tell a lot of young, younger kids that today, is surround yourself with the right people. Like learn from the people who are maybe three steps ahead of you or who are better hockey players than you or who do well academically and maybe they can help you. But when I got to Avon, you know, I think 100% of the school goes to college, right? They go to some type of university because it is a college preparatory school. That, that's the purpose of Avon. And when I got there, I saw that academically. And I also saw that on the ice as well. I played with guys like, like Mike Pereira, who when I came to the Avon, you know, he was committed already to UMass Amherst. And he was already, you know, in, in some sense, you know, a couple steps ahead of me. And I knew that if I surrounded myself with those individuals, it would help me get to that goal and start to visualize it more. You know, I'll even bring it back to, working out in the summers, you know, everyone, all hockey guys, they'll, they'll leave school, prep school, whatever, and come home in the summers and some get a job and some work out and some stay on the ice. And for me, it was, okay, well, I'm not just going to go on the ice with anybody. I want to go on the ice with people who are 
also in the same mindset as me. And that's, you know, two guys that I always worked out with and trained with was Lee Moffey and Pat Mullane. Uh, one went to Boston College, one went to Michigan, had great hockey careers, and they're both extremely successful business people today. Um, and, you know, I give people like that a lot of credit, too, because, you know, we motivated each other. And my, my motivation was to play college hockey and be successful in life. And that's who I continuously try to, you know, group myself with each and every day. And I think that's a huge aspect. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's such a good point about surrounding yourself with the right people. You know, the, the famous quote that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And, you know, there's, um, you know, once again, I think it's, it's credit to you as far as realizing that from a young age and, and being able to identify that with yourself. And, and, you know, I think the, the humbleness that it takes also as well as you mentioned, you know, maybe Mike being a little bit ahead of you at the time when you arrived on campus and, and being able to see that and, and use that in a positive way to uh, attack the situation and, and be around him more to, to learn from him. And also to, you knew that would, that would bring out the best in you as far as competition and help you get to that level as well. Um, and I want to talk to you uh, next about Boston university where we were both roommates and teammates Um I was always very impressed. I'm sure I didn't uh, ever let you know. I know for a fact I didn't ever let you know at the time, but just with how your habits were, were unbelievable. I was always uh, quite a bit behind as far as habits went, um, you, but you were always able to, to focus on hockey and school. You knew the importance of both. You knew the importance of networking. Um, just a little throwback for us. I always just remember you bringing up that you went to Avon Old Farms. Um, but you understood the importance of that, that, that name would, would hold and the fact that that would, you know, open some doors for you. Um, what, where, where do you think as far as what was your mindset when you, when you entered BU, you saw that obviously as a, as a hockey opportunity, uh, there's the team goals, there's the, the personal goals as it comes to hockey, but what was your mindset as far as being a student and, and socially just entering a school that's in a metropolis, like, Boston um, with access to over 30,000 students. Yeah, I probably didn't bring up uh, that I went to Avon enough since you you still got the mascot wrong. It's a it's a winged beaver here. Winged, so, winged beaver. So, yeah, I mean, everyone, I think, was in different scenarios. And I, I think that is something that's very important in this conversation, right? It's I knew that right off the bat. I was going to have to deal with adversity, right? Because I wasn't someone who was recruited at the age of 15, 16, 17, not even really until like late in my 18 year old career at, at Avon, you know, I'm sitting there when the New England championship and I've never talked to BU before. And then, you know, coach Bavis and coach powers were at two of those games and they luckily lost two guys to pro unexpectedly uh, th that year. Um, and they needed a big, a big defenseman to come in and, you know, work to kind of gain the opportunity. And I don't think BU looked at me as someone that was going to be uh, an investment really in the first year and even the second year, but maybe down the road, who was going to end up maybe being a leader at the school, being a role model, someone who can, you know, maybe help underclassmen, you know, once they come in at an older age. Um, but, you know, my perception was at Avon, I want to play division one. Like that was my goal. 
And, you know, I had a couple other schools that were interested in me, you know, Quinnipiac, you know, in my hometown in Hamden, that would have been a pretty awesome experience too. But when BU came around, to me, that was like a no brainer, you know, the, the history in that school, the people who have come out of that school, uh, just being in Boston, like I love that city. It's one of the best cities in the world. Um, I knew that if I had the opportunity to play at a school like that, I was going to take it. And I, I knew coming in that I wasn't someone that they maybe were going to rely on in the first year. And I also knew that, you know, my spot, as you know, and I dealt with this and, you know, we were roommates freshman year. It was hard at times. Like I would go into each weekend wondering if I was going to be in the lineup. Right. And I, I would work, you know, all week long, you know, on the ice and, you know, give it my best. And my name wouldn't be on the whiteboard maybe for a Saturday night against North Dakota. And I took that as, you know, a driver and saying like, I hate this feeling and this is a situation that I'm in and I know that I need to fix it. And in order for me to fix it, I needed to work even harder and maybe make less mistakes because as you know, like look at the guys in our class, we had one of the best, you know, BU classes and maybe the history of the school. Like we had Charlie Coyle, Adam Clendenning, Matt Nieto, you, you know, Garrett Noonan, like guys who were going to be relied on in big roles right away. And, you know, I, I think that helped me in the classroom a little bit too, because I knew that, okay, if I'm dealing with adversity right now, like there's guys that did that, like Matt Gilroy did that. Like he came in, dealt with adversity. He found a way and had a, a really good pro hockey career. Uh, the chances of that happening are, are not high. And, and I give my, my parents a, a ton of credit and always keeping me like grounded and humble and like, my father, I remember I called him like every night and we talked about practice that day. And he'd also ask me about school that day and different classes I was in and never let me get ahead of myself and always kind of look myself in the mirror and say like, this is who I am. And I might not be a first round draft pick, second round draft pick. I need to work for every opportunity and every weekend that we play games. And that ultimately you know, led me to have a really good BU career. And, you know, besides freshman year, you know, I was, you know, a top six D all the way through, you know, my senior year and was fortunate enough to be the co-captain of the team with, with news. And, you know, when I think about my career today, like you're going to have ups and downs, you're going to have adversity. You're going to deal with things that aren't going your way. And I think the people who handle that, um, in the right manner are the people who end up, you know, coming out on the right side. But, you know, BU, I, it was the pinnacle for me. I knew that BU was kind of going to be the NHL for me, right? That was going to be the top. And that's a great top to have. Uh, not many kids can say they played division one, even at a school like BU, but I mean, that, that situation like completely helped me in my career that I'm in now. Right. And now I, we do want to get into that. I, I have to give a quick shout out to Jim and Nancy because they they're like parents to me and they were um, always open their their home to me. And I spent many uh, great memories of, of mine are, are at the McGregor household and, um, you know, with, with you and your family. Um, and I and I do know, I mean, obviously, your parents both being educators as well, you know, the importance of school and, and um, you know, where that can take you. You know, I think. Um, look back at them. They're great people. And, and, you know, they've obviously raised quite a guy in yourself. Um, you went on after BU to play uh, one year of professional hockey, and then you went right into the, to the 
into the business world. Was that uh, during your year there? I mean, you went to go play. I mean, I'd imagine you went to, you got to, you got to see what it's like. You got to know, you know, where it could go, what it could be, what's it, what all that like. But did you, did you have a, uh, a sense during that year that, that you were just going to go for one year, no matter what, and, and go right into, to working? Yeah. I mean, some kids take the route of studying abroad or traveling Europe for a year. Um, I took the route of, you know, playing in the East Coast League as my year to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And to be quite honest with you, being a communications major at BU, I did not want to go into advertising. That was my major. And to think to think of like what I wanted to do is, I think for most people is, is tough because you're, you graduate college, you, you're kind of almost like forced, like, hey, you're on your own here. You, you got to make some money for yourself and be self-sufficient. And I think people struggle with that. And having that year in professional hockey to, of course, I wanted to play hockey as best as I can. And I wanted to, of course, have opportunity to play in the American League. I thought about maybe going to Europe for a year just to experience that. But at the end of the day, halfway through the year, you know, I, I kind of sat back and I started to have phone calls with people to talk about, you know, what do you do? Like, you're in sales, you sell cybersecurity technology, but what is that? Like, would I like to do something like that? Because if I had to go right into my career after BU, I probably would have spent months at home on the couch trying to figure that out or even like where to interview. Um, so that year of pro hockey for me was looked at as almost, you know, let's go have fun. Let's get paid to play hockey, whether it was, you know, it's of course, as you know, it's not much money. You don't make much, you don't make much money to play in the coast. You always feel like you're swiping the credit card and not being able to refund it. But a lot of nights at the movies and a lot of days at Starbucks and a lot of naps. But it gave me that opportunity to, you know, of course, be self sufficient. You know, be independent, live on my own, um, make money, and spend money on myself. Whether you know, even though it was a little little bit amount of money, but that motivated me to know, okay, well hockey's probably not going to make me a successful person. And I, I you know, I, I played with a lot of guys who, you know, were in, in their thirties and still playing in the coast. And I use that as kind of like, well, I don't think I want to end up doing that. Right. Some guys had families and, you know, you don't make much money in the coast, so it's hard. And I use that as a motivator and said, like, I should really figure some, some stuff out and figure what, what motivates me and what I want to do after hockey. Um, so that's kind of how I used the East Coast League as kind of like a stepping stone and kind of like time to reflect and figure out what I wanted to do. Right. Yeah. And that's uh, once again, you're talking about you know, planning ahead, looking ahead, trying to surround yourself. I think it's interesting that you were taking calls and, and just, you know, you weren't waiting till the season was over um, to, to be proactive about things. You know, you, you, you kind of took a hold of that. Uh, beforehand and, and that that time that you said that could have been a couple months on the couch were spent playing hockey still doing something you love but that gave you time to be productive and and to be uh maybe a less a little less uh anxiety as far as what the next step was going to be because you you know it wasn't uh, it wasn't an immediate concern um so to say uh, i want to talk about you what you know you were in communications uh communications major but you decided that wasn't for you you did go into sales right away. What, what about sales sold you? So. Yeah. It's almost like sales didn't sell me. It was my network that really sold me because 
you know, like I mentioned before, you, you don't know exactly what you're going to be good at. And, and you don't know, like, like for me, like, I'm not going to become a doctor or lawyer. You know, I wasn't going to get into politics. Like I didn't have a direct path. Like my sister's a nurse. She knew she was going to be a nurse and she's a great RN, but she had like a structured path to get to that point. For me, you know, I just wanted to be successful and I wanted to be in a spot where my personality and my attributes pay off. And, you know, I'm talking to guys like Coleman Noonan, Pat Noonan, you know, there's a lot of guys out there. I give a lot of credit. Just, I tell all these guys, just to get as many coffee dates as you can, even if it's 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, because you learn a lot about yourself and you learn about what a lot of people are doing. Cause there are a lot of options for you to take. And after talking to some of these people who have been very successful in the uh, sales world, you know, I asked, you know, why do you like this? Or how are you so successful at this? And they go back to their hockey days and they say, well, it's a very competitive space. You have to be able to deal with adversity and you have to ride the peaks and you also have to ride the valleys and you have to find your way out of the valleys. And you have to know like that if some days aren't great, the next day, make it better. And, you know, people look at sales as a fast track to make, you know, good money and move up in their career. And that's kind of how I looked at it. And, I took my first job at a company called Resilient Systems. It was an incident response management platform. I walked in and I had no idea what that was, right? So in the interview process, you know, I told them, I said, this is going to be new to me. And they said, that's totally fine because you're coachable. And if you learn and you listen, we can teach you what this all means. So it's almost less about what you know. And you hear this all the time. It's about who you know and how you represent yourself. Like in, in an interview, you don't need to know the product or the market. They just need to know if you're coachable and if you can give everything that you can to be successful and make the company money. Um, but it's an important fact in, in the sales world is, you know, you gotta like the culture, you have to like your leadership and it's the same in hockey. If you don't like your coach in hockey, are guys gonna play for that guy? Probably not. So it, it really matriculates so well from what got me to my career at BU in hockey and having good habits and being organized and treating every day like it was a new day and your routine is similar every single day. And that's what helps me in the sales world. So, you know, for me in my first job, it had a lot to do with people liked the attributes that I had and I gave it a shot and I ran with it. And it ended up working out fairly well for me. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a really cool insight as far as the interviewing process and and what goes into that because you know a lot of uh, a lot of hockey guys that's not an experience that you really go through, right? I mean, you're the only time you're going to get that experience is if you you know sit down and try and get a job in one of these places, which obviously a lot of us um, don't do, and a lot of us maybe not think that we're we're have the requirements necessary um for that i think it's interesting that you you bring up being being coachable as being you know a, a high priority as far as getting hired right i think that's it's true across the board with, with as far as anything you do um and the sales world just having that similar type of environment that competitive space that you were able to still apply what you were good at you know you um maybe you know, as you want to talk about passions, you know, that it was just, it allowed you just to, to be, be yourself. Um, 
And that's what you knew that you were going to thrive. You're going to do your best at was, uh, you know, looking at your strong suits and what industry was going to tailor to that. Um, one thing that I do want to uh, ask you about is what what's the day in the life like for you as far as, uh, I, I, you know, you talked about routines. I really want to ask in, in the sales world, what, what personal development, what self-development, uh, how that translates to success in the sales world. And yeah, yeah I mean, the, the big thing for me is my life over the past 18 months is completely different than it was for the first five years of my sales career, right? Because of COVID-19, uh, it, it became much more important to focus on different different things, right? In terms of mental health and in terms of routines. Um, you know, before COVID, I was going to the, I was going to an office every day. I was sitting in the office from nine o'clock to five, you know, my head down and getting on calls with prospects and, and clients. And, you know, that was a place where I went to work and I was able to separate work life and home life balance. And then once COVID hit, um, you know, our company, along with basically every company, shifted to a work from home environment. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. And I'm fortunate right now, you know, I'd like to have kids in the future, but I don't have three kids running around in the room next to me while I'm trying to work. But I know for some people, that was a very hard adjustment to make. So for right now, you know, something that I struggled with in the beginning, but started to move towards even more of a routine schedule and getting up at the same time every day, you know, having coffee and a good breakfast every day. And it's hard for some people. You can sleep in a little bit longer now. You don't have to sit in traffic to go to an office, but you can find time to focus on other parts of your life, right? So I get up usually around 6.30 in the morning. I, I make coffee, I eat breakfast, and I usually read some stuff in the in the business in the business world online. Um, I catch up with some obviously sports, NHL, NFL, um, and I, I talk to my fiance Renee, and we talk about the day and like what she has for the day. And she's a social worker, and she goes to the office every day and deals with different things than I deal with every day. Um, you know, she helps people on a daily basis. Where I'm, you know, of course, trying to make money, and you know, starting your day at the same time, having a routine. Um, work-life balance is important. And I think what changed for me is getting back into the, the workout world. So as you can see behind me, I have a Peloton, you know, I used to go to the regular gym and over the past couple of months, I started a personal trainer and uh, it, it's, it's an environment like it was when we were at BU, right? We have a structured plan. We have a nutrition guide. Um, someone's kind of giving you a, a workout plan for the week and someone's held, holding you accountable. And I, I think from a mental health perspective, that changes everything, right? Working out, you know, as much as people hate it, you know, after hockey, you know, a lot of people are burnt out like myself. It's so much more important and it goes beyond your physical look, right? It goes beyond, you know, being fat. It, it has a lot to do with mental health and being in the right state of mind. And, and that's something that I've been focusing on. But for me, at work, you know, my job in sales is to retain clients on a yearly basis. You know, I hold a number based off of people that I renew every year. Um, and I also hold a number uh, of net new opportunities. So I'm doing a lot of prospecting in my spare time during the day, uh, trying to get calls set up with clients who I've never worked with. And of course, trying to sell them the value of, of Gartner. Um, 
and I'm in the conference space. So what I'm selling is conference sponsorships to different technology vendors. So let's use human resources as an example. You know, one of my clients is, is Workday. I think a lot of people know who Workday is, um, HCM product in the space. You know, from a sales perspective, if I was at Workday, I want to get in front of CHROs and VPs of HR because that's who are going to buy my product at Workday. So I'm kind of the middleman there. I work with Workday on a strategy to do that. So I sell them speaking sessions. I sell them booth space. I sell them different branding opportunities for them to then go to the Gartner conference to get in front of those end users that they want to sell to. Because at Gartner, we have two sides of the house. We have the conference side, which I'm on, and then we have a, a research side. And on the research side, that's where all of those end users sit. So the CHROs, the VPs of HR of Walmart, Costco, Expedia, Starbucks, they're all working with our research side and they're the ones who are going to the conference. So I'm kind of bringing it full circle with having my vendors come with a strategic strategy to get in front of their end users to build pipeline and close deals. Um, so from an everyday perspective, that's what I do. And, and I love it. Um, it brings a competitive competitiveness out of me. Um, some days are better than others, but the, the reward is, is amazing. And you're ultimately helping companies succeed, which is an awesome thing to do. Right. And I think, um, that's such an important thing. I mean, I think as far as I would, I would think, uh, from a, a sales job, you know, you would, you would think of very repetitive process, right. Reading off a script or what you see in movies, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, that kind of thing. Um, where the way you describe it, it sounds a little bit more like you got seasons, right. And whether you got seasons and, and within those seasons, you got your games, right. You got your, um, you got your conferences, you got your, your, your prospects, you know, that you're, you're trying to, trying to match up with and that gives you that that competitive flow it gives you a bit of you know it gives you a little newness as far as you know you're not it gives you something to be excited about right you get to try different things you get to see what works what doesn't work and there's also a variable component as far as everyone that you're dealing with is going to be a little bit different how you approach that is different and that's more so on your end than it is on their end right they are who they are but you are going towards them, um, you know, trying to get all this done. And that's, uh, that's on you to be able to be adaptable as far as to the conversation, to the environment that you're in. Um, I also want to go back a little bit uh, just to comment briefly on, on the personal development. I think it's, it is so important waking up at the same time, having a morning routine. That's something that I uh, never used to have. Um, I know, you know, that I love my sleep. Um, you getting up. I'm a runner now. Yeah. You get up at the same time every day uh, and, and, and having just that discipline, I think in the morning really sets you up for the rest of the day. I think everything else can, what kind of falls in line. If you can win the morning, you can, uh, you know, you don't hit the snooze button, you know, you feel a little better about yourself, you know, when you pop out of bed and you get uh, things done the way that you need to get done, you know, you know, a good breakfast coffee uh, is good for you having a conversation with your fiance. You know, those are things um, that make you feel good. And it, it gives you, it's no different than a hockey game in that sense. You know, you have your routines or, you know, you have pregame skate, you come back, you have a, a meal, you maybe have a nap, you know, maybe some guys like to watch a movie, uh, watch highlights, those kind of things uh, before they enter the arena, before they enter the competitive space. And, and you being able to realize that. And I'm glad that you're getting back into the, uh, the workout game too, because you're a beast. And uh, sure. I'd hate to see you. Uh, 
to, to lose that, uh, that aspect of it. Um, and I think it's even on in, in that same breath, it's, you know, you got to get to a point and this is what I struggled with too. It's no one's telling you, you have to get up for your alarm. Right. When, when we were, in, when we were playing hockey and we were at BU, if we missed a workout, what are you going to, like, what's going to happen? You're going to run a 20 mile bike and Mike Boyle is going to be staring at you. Like, what are you, what are you doing? And your whole team is going to be disappointed with you for not being at that workout. So that's what made people go to workout at 6am in the morning in the summers when we didn't want to, it was having that, you know, accountability and someone saying like, Hey, you need to go. If not, there's going to be a problem. Whereas in the world I'm in now, you know, my boss doesn't sit over my alarm clock at 6am and say, you got to get up. Right. And you got to start to hold yourself accountable, which is not easy to do. And it's hard sometimes. And I think if it was easy, everybody would do it. Um, I think the hard things in life are, are things that where you need to hold yourself accountable. It's, it's eating right. It's working out and you can fall out of it and it's okay if you fall out of it, but can you get yourself back into it? I, I think, I think that's such an important aspect and it, just in life in general, outside of sports, outside of work, it's looking at yourself in the mirror and telling yourself like you need to do this or, and if you don't do this, you feel bad about yourself. And I think that is something that I have gotten a lot better with over the past year, especially with this work and home environment. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You do the easy things. You're going to have a hard life. You do the hard things. You're going to have an easy life. Uh, not that it's any easier, but as far as success goes, you know, you're just giving yourself that much more of an opportunity and you're just giving yourself that much more of an edge uh, over the competition. Because like you said, it isn't easy always to wake up every morning and, and do the right things, um, you know, because you do it four days and then, you know, day five comes around like, ah, well, maybe I'll take my foot off the gas. And every day you take off, it becomes harder to start that back up again. And, and, and the, the ones that are really good at it, you know, they really don't take their foot off the gas. You know, they don't take uh, days off. If they do, they don't take more than one because you understand that uh, to be consistent, right? It's got to be, it's, it's hard to get a train going once it stops, you know, talking to a big man like yourself. But um, what I wanted to ask you is just, you know, a guy that's, like you said, you've successfully transferred from hockey to the business world. You know, you've taken what you were, good at in hockey and transfer that into your next career you've also taken the the skill set um the networking ability and just like as you said uh, i think at the start of the, the episode that um being a hockey player has led you to where you are now even though you're not in the game now so for guys that are in the game that, that don't know what they want to do or that maybe have a bit of an idea you know if you were to talk to them and give them some advice as far as moving past the game uh, or things that they can be doing, say, in the summers or, or even during the year. You know, we have a lot of spare time during the season, as you know. Um, you know, what kind of advice would you have for guys? Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I, I talk to high school guys a lot, especially guys at Avon, you know, being part of the alumni development team at Avon and being one of the chairman for the alumni. It's, you know, it's okay to have the, a goal and to set a goal high. And I want every hockey player to play at the highest level they can for as long as they can. And I think if you have that ability to do that, do it. I would love to be in the NHL. I would love to be even playing in Europe and making, you know, a good enough money where I can, you know, say this is a career that I can have and it's, I can support my family doing it. And I wasn't as fortunate to have that opportunity. 
Um, so I want to make that definitely clear, you know, to everyone is, you know, if you can do that, do it. You only live one time. I, I think that's extremely important. And that's a, if I have a kid one day, a son one day and he plays hockey and he wants to continue to play and he loves it. Like who am I to tell him? No, but there comes a point in, in everyone's life where they have to make that difficult decision of, I've been playing hockey for 25 years. I've been on skates. Now it's time to kind of put the bag, you know, to the side and, and focus on your family and, you know, how to, you know, be independent and, and make money in different ways. So my advice is there's no reason why we should, we should be starting from zero, you know, once hockey ends, right. It, it's, it's tough for some players. I think at times to maybe take an internship for one month in the summer, and, and get a different exposure to the business world, or even to have lunches and dinners and coffees with people who are in that world, just to gain that, just to gain that exposure and bounce knowledge off of them. Because like I mentioned, I had no knowledge of the business world. Both my parents are teachers. Uh, my father, I think is still confused with what my brother and I do. Um, he, he, you know, he, if, if I became a professor or worked in a university or became a teacher, perfect role models, right? They would have know exactly, they would know exactly what they should do and, and they can help me along the way. But it's talking to the right people who are successful, who can help make that decision with you um, and kind of explain to you like, hey, you might look at yourself as this type of person, but the way you're perceived to a lot of other people is this way. And, you know, when I started in the sales world, I, I had a lot of people tell me you'd be great at this. Like, and I didn't think I was going to be but I'm still in this world and I, I've been fairly successful doing it. So for all the young guys out there, especially high school and even in college, like it doesn't hurt to take a little bit of extra time and do some research, maybe read some business books. Um, even for me in college, like I knew the, the event was going to happen where my bag was going to go in the garage and it was probably going to happen earlier than most of my classmates. And I never read business books. I was never really interested in it. And that's my number one source now for knowledge is reading the books on business, whatever it might be, but just become educated. And believe me, you can do this and continue to play hockey. It doesn't matter. Like it is, but it, it gives you the opportunity to have a stoke in the fire for when that does happen. And you do have to sit back and say, I do need to have a change of career. I do need to get into the business world. Um, and it goes for any job. You know, I have a lot of buddies that are firemen, police, right? It, it doesn't have to happen for the first time once you stop playing the game. Like, start to understand, like, what tests should I be taking? You know, should I be being, should I be a volunteer fireman? Like, I think the coast did a pretty good job with a lot of guys that I played with of getting people ingrained in, in the fire in the, in the, cause that matriculates extremely well to hockey, right? You're, you're in that locker room environment. You're, you're going to battle with all the boys and you're going to save people from fire. It's, it's very similar to hockey and whatever it might be, start to think about it. And it's never too early to, to consider things and think about things. So that's my only advice to people is really like hone in on what you kind of want to do, narrow some stuff down. And then when you do hang up the bag, hang up the, the skates, like you're in a good situation and you've already had those conversations and build that network. But Again, a lot of the times it's who you know and having a network and keeping yourself relevant is extremely important. Right. Well, and, I, and while you're playing hockey, I think there's no, 
you have the time on your side, right? You're able to, to try things that maybe aren't going to work out for you because they don't need to at that time. And, and putting yourself in different environments, talking to people of different, uh, you know, careers and industries, you know, it just gives you such an advantage because you have that time, you know, you can, you can have that curiosity with a, with a broader brush. Um, another, another thing I think that is so, so key that maybe a lot of people have a tough time reaching out to people, but I think anyone that's, that's successful, they, they always have time for people that want to learn, that want to get better. They are always looking to, you know, share anything they can help anyone else they can. That's been a big uh, part of my journey is reaching out to some people that I know that, that, um, you know, that I recognize that are doing things that, that maybe I want to be doing. And every single time those, those people are always, um, you know, sure off their back as far as knowledge and being able to pick their brain and being uh, accessible to you. You know, if you have the, the hunger to, to, to be better, to get better, uh, people that are successful, they, they love that. They want that. They want to help any way that they can. Um, you mentioned yeah. business, you mentioned business books. So I, I did want to ask you, you got a, what's your number one? The tipping point. The tipping point. Okay. Is there, was there a specific book that you read? Uh, like for me, it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read that. That was the first like business type of I book. Read that that I read that as well. Yeah. And that was, that was like really, it, it changed my, my perspective on so many things. And it, and it made me into those kind of books because I was, you know, that was, that was the book that, that piqued that interest for me. Yeah. I mean, The Tipping Point um, by Malcolm Gladwell was, was very life-changing for me. It opened a lot of, I guess, it opened a different mindset for me, I, I guess, in terms of like what I wanted to do in my career and like what leaders do. And I always consider myself a leader and that's, you know, in the job that I'm in right now, that's, that's the growth that I want. You know, I want to be a leader in the organization. I want to be a director. I want to be a VP and leading, reading more books on leadership. It, it shows the different types of leaders that are out there. Like if you look at, you know, the president of a country, if you look at a CEO of a business, they all lead differently. Um, but being a people leader, I think is what really I've focused a lot on because let's be honest, everyone that you lead is not going to be the same way. They're not going to be motivated the same way. And you need to know what their motivational points and triggers are. Um, and that's something I didn't really truly know until I started doing a lot of this research and, and reading these different types of books on, on business and leadership. Um, but again, like even going back, like you just mentioned to, you know, who, you know, taking time for people. Like when I left my last job at IBM, you know, my first call wasn't a company. My first thing I did wasn't, Oh, I got to send my resume out or apply for jobs. It was, who do I know in the hockey world? Who can I contact to be like, Hey, do you like it at this company? Like, what do you do? And having that referral basis is, is huge in this business world. And a great example for me was I knew Gartner as a company. I didn't know the department at all, but I noticed that Anya Batalingo, now Anya Packer uh, was an AE here and she was um, on the female BU hockey team, uh, a great person. And I had a conversation with her for about 30 minutes and she's like, Pat, you'd love it here. Like, you'd kill it here. It'd be great to have you. Um, and I ultimately passed my resume to her and she really helped me get into the door. Um, so having that network, keeping, you know, your options open, I, I think is so important because um, those referrals are everything. Companies want to hire people that are referred. 
because they can put their name on you and say, this guy would be great for the organization. Nobody's going to put their name on someone that's not going to work hard or not be good at what they do, or they're going to look bad. So my, my advice is to keep that networking as big as, as big as possible. Keep that pool of people open at all times and make time for people. Uh, that's absolutely, that's, that's uh, great advice. So we have such a, a database of, of people that you play with or you interact with as far as during your hockey career and, um, you know, use it, you know, don't, don't be afraid. I think networking can be scary. It can seem unnecessary, but as you pointed out, the, the benefits of it are just endless really. Um, I, before we wrap this up, uh, little tradition here on coffee, chew and a chat, we do a small business shout out. I want to know your favorite uh, local cafe uh, and your favorite local restaurant with everything that's, that's happened uh, with the world the last two years. I want to give a little love to, you know, some, folks that uh, have businesses that have went above and beyond for their customers and, and really, um, you know, deserve a bit of a shout out. Yeah. So I'm a pretty big coffee guy. Um, there are days where I do go to Starbucks, but you know, there's a, there's a small coffee, I guess, place right in Hamden, Connecticut called the common grounds coffee, which is almost like a place to meet. And when you walk in there at 7am, 7:30, you know, after a workout, you're probably going to know four five, six to 10 people in there at one time, just talking to each other. Um, they make a great roast. Uh, they're great people. They always have a flavor of the day. Um, it's not that syrup, sugar syrup stuff. It's, it's, they really have the flavored beans, which is, I, I think a, a pretty big selling point. Um, but from a restaurant perspective, it's a smaller place. You've been to, you've been to it once or twice. Uh, it's right there smack in the middle of Hamden. It's called Ram Mike's Deli. Uh, I've been going there since I was a young kid. Uh, they actually have a sandwich named after John Quick, who's also a Hamden, Hamden kid, called the Quick <laughs> which uh, you've had a, a, a few times passing through, which consists of macaroni and steak with extra ketchup. Only way, you, only way you'll like it. Um, but I get <laughs> too, because I think they got the best subs around I, you know, and I'm guilty as charged. I've even had your brother um, come to a game in Hartford and bring me a road quick, which um, mac and cheese. It didn't on matter top of, if it was cold either. It didn't matter if it was cold. No, not at all. And I, I've been in there too. The service is exceptional. They're, uh, they're great people in there. They, they've been doing a great thing for a long time. And I would, uh, I would echo that sentiment that, uh, you know, they deserve a shout out. So, uh, Patty, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I think, uh, you know, you had uh, a lot to share, uh, a lot of great information to share. I think uh, learning uh, a little bit more about what you do, but also the, I, I think back to the interview um, and, and the process that you went through there. And then also as you navigated, um, you know, different uh, companies throughout your career now in the sales world and, and just how you were able to to transition so many times and, and transition so successfully um you know and and your method i i thank you for being an open book during this conversation and and for joining me on this episode I had a great time thanks gilsey thank you for listening to this week's episode please like share subscribe or leave a review down below